Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hello, everyone. We are back here at the Good Dog Pod. I am Dr. Michael Delgado, your host, and today we have a very special guest. We're going international. All the way from Italy, we have Dr. Jasmine Fuzzi. She is a veterinarian and a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Milan in Italy, where she also received her PhD and her degree in veterinary medicine. Her research has focused very heavily on non-invasive methods for assessing health and stress in companion animals during reproduction and the perinatal stage. That's the period of time around birth. She has worked in multiple small animal veterinary clinics where she provides reproductive services and surgeries such as elective and emergency cesarean sections. She's done intensive care for neonates. She's got lots of knowledge about artificial insemination and management of common diseases of intact animals. So she is a very all around like knows her reproductive stuff. We're here to talk to her today about some of her research looking at newborn puppies so, Dr. Fuzzi, welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, we're so excited. You know, I always like to start by kind of just letting people know who's the person behind the research, right? Like those of us who've done science, you know, sometimes people think you're just this nerd or, you know, just very focused on your work. So maybe you could just tell us about your personal journey, like what made you decide to become a veterinarian? And obviously you also made another choice, right? Which is to do research as a veterinarian. And you focused on reproductive medicine. So what kind of attracted you to that area of veterinary medicine and research? So first of all, uh, hello to everyone. And thank you very much again for having me here. And I'm a little bit nervous, but I am very excited to be here. So just also to let people know my experience. It was all started when I was a very little girl because I have always wanted to be a veterinarian. My parents always joke at this because they say the first thing I've ever said is dog and cats. And Amazing. I, and I've always loved animals in general. So this is, I think, something that born with me. Nice. But in the end, I've become a veterinary student and I was always very passionate. I have to say that all of the topics in which this type of medicine, because it's medicine, but it's on animals now, and all the topics were very interesting. But in the end, my curiosity was taken by reproduction and Professor Veronese introduced me to neonatology when I was at the end of my path of being a student because in the last months we can decide which type of lessons or topics we can follow. I was introduced to neonatology and yeah, it was love at first sight. Nice. <laughs> also, the thing that I loved the most is there is the need to do a lot of research in this because we don't know <laughs> practically nothing about <laughs> of dogs and cats. So naturally, I'm also a very curious person. So I was always interested also in doing research. So the, the two things were put, put together and then I become a researcher in neonatology in dogs and cats. <laughs> Great. Well, we're all very lucky that you took that path because you're doing some very interesting research. Specifically, recently you've published some research looking at cortisol. You've looked at DHEA, which these are precursors to sex hormones produced by the adrenal system. We've looked at specific sex hormones such as 17-beta estradiol, which I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but that's an estrogen steroid hormone. 
you've looked at these hormones in newborn puppies. So yeah, just to put it in lay language, you're looking at the effects of different hormones in newborn puppies. So the presence of these hormones, but what's really cool to me is that you're using this method where you trim their nails and find the hormone in there, which who would have known that there would be these hormones in the claws or nails. So can you explain, first of all, like, tell us a little bit about the hormones you're looking at and why you chose those hormones and why we would be looking for them in newborn puppies. Okay, so that's a great question. Thank you. And first of all, cortisol, it's always a very recent finding also in human medicine in which we talk about stress. So cortisol is the hormone of stress. Then there is the hydropiandrosterone, DHEA. It was described as the opposite of the cortisol and also is described as the hormone that impedes the negative effects of too much cortisol, of too high levels of cortisol. And those sexual steroid hormones are very important in all the stages of life, but then there is like a lack of knowledge about the very first days after birth, also in human medicine at the beginning. So we wanted to check the levels, the concentrations of these hormones. Also because there were no information about. So just to say, okay, we start with those levels and then they go up and down and etc. So we started with the trimming of nails and we had very interesting results also, at least for me, because we found out that some hormones exist actually and then that the differences can be detected from a newborn to newborn. So there are also some differences that are individual differences, also litter differences. So some litters have oh. in general more hormones than others. So as I always say in research, you do a step and then there are 100 questions. <laughs> now we have 100 questions because we have done those studies in a normal newborns, in normal conditions, but obviously we would like to check also in pathologic conditions. However, it's not that easy because when there are pathologic situations, it's not always possible to go there and collect only the clothes because maybe you're focusing on uh, other things or also the puppies are on intensive care. So there are some issues. But however, these hormones are very important for the physiological state of these newborns. And also we found out that there are maybe little differences in some conditions. So the work is ongoing, but still, this is a very important method of study in those animals. Okay. And you're looking at newborn puppies for, say, stress hormones. So what can we learn from that? Are you suggesting that some puppies are kind of born stress? Is there an effect of what's happening in utero that would cause some litters or even some individual puppies to have higher levels of, say, cortisol in their nails? Okay, this is a very interesting question. And uh, we are starting <laughs> to okay. answer in the precise way. But what can I say to you is that, yes, there are some conditions that starts from the uterine environment, mm-hmm. for sure. We also know from human medicine that what happens in utero can have effects not only in the newborn stage, but also on the entire life of an animal and of a human, for sure. So this is a very intriguing topic because since it's very recent, so we were not used to think about the uterus as the first, we can say, home of Mm -hmm. a human or animal being, but still the uterine environment has a very important role in the entire life. And yes, the stress can have some effects on the cortisol levels, but also we found out also a correlation with other hormones. So for example, testosterone. So we must check also the relevance and the connection 
with the sexual steroid hormones because yes they are sexual hormones but they are also steroid hormones so we don't know if maybe there are also other correlations with stress and also i would like to say to specify that it's commonly known that cortisol and stress are bad things so they are considered as just as negative and stop However, we know that in the cascade, the hormonal cascade, during the activation of the parturition and so the opening of the cervix, so uh, we can say during the birth process, from the very first times until all the puppies are born, just the stress has an important role also in a positive way mm-hmm. because we see that puppies that are not stressed by the last phase stage of development may have problems inducing parturition. Oh, interesting. Yes, and it's not that bad. (laughs) Also, cortisol has a role in the final maturation of the lungs so that puppies are able to inspire air. And this is important because the first breath have to be taken in the few minutes afterwards. So cortisol is not that negative, but too much cortisol for a long period of time. Yes, they maybe have detrimental effects in the longer term. Okay, that makes sense. So you need kind of the right amount of stress, not too little, not too much. Okay. So one of the findings in one of your papers was that the puppies born by cesarean sections had lower amounts of these hormones in their nails. So why do you think that is? I guess like we can't just say they're less stressed because you just said you need a little bit of cortisol. So it's not quite so simple as just saying, oh, C-sections are less stressful. But yeah, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, this is another important question because we found out actually that C and BS were lower in puppies born by cesarean sections. So yes, the first thing we thought was, okay, so let's do cesarean sections at all because (laughs) maybe they are less stressed or there are other reasons. In in the end, we found out uh, and the explanation that we have given, but it's something that can really be, be changed by future studies because we really are just to make some hypothesis. Okay, our hypothesis is that the last fetal stage of development, so the very few days before birth, because we have also to think about the fact that, for example, in humans, we have nine months for pregnancy. <laughs> Long time compared yeah. to dogs. Yeah. So we can be calm and also a few days certainly doesn't change anything about the maturation of the fetus. And however, in dogs and cats, we don't have this lucky situation because even a few days can change the maturity of the fetus and then of the newborn. And the condition of immaturity is very important in numbers because they can also determine not always mortality but still some problems during the pediatric period and then also in adulthood. So the final maturation of the HPAX seems to be, we can say, really activated by the process of the parturition. So the very first stages. So labor, for example. Labor, yeah. Yeah, because the cesarean sections are always planned following or at least I plan cesarean sections on the basis of the trend of progesterone. So we have a date with the the measurements that we have done during pregnancy, but then we wait for the progesterone to be lower than the, we can say, pregnant progesterone. But still, we arrive before labor because... uh, the beach is not in labor when they are planted. So I mean, this is our elective cesarean sections. On the contrary, when we have normal parturition, natural parturitions or emergency cesarean sections, the labor is already started. 
And so the triggering of parturitions has uh, activated the HPA axis with a very high amount of cortisol. As I was saying before, yes, cortisol is not that bad. So we have to learn, so we have to discover actually which is the normal cortisol. So the cortisol that we say, okay, it's high, but it's normal. Mm-hmm. And then a cut off over which we say, okay, no, it's not that normal. It's not that okay. good. So we are far from this because they are only preliminary data. We can say because we don't have billions of puppies, but we are working on this. <laughs> But yes, cortisol can be increased because it's a stressful situation. The fact of being detached from the uterus, mm. then from the placenta, and then become, we can say, they pass through the canal of parturition, okay? And then they go out and they must, they must start to breathe, okay? Right. So this is a stressful condition, but we don't know exactly which is the entity, we can say, the difference. So... Yes, we found this result, but another time I would like to say that the future research will focus on pathologic situations because we just started with the normal situations, but I am very interested in understanding in some ways, in some pathological conditions, what can be the activation of the HPA axis and maybe we can find more cortisol because maybe this is not normal activation of the HPA, an over, we can say, overstimulation of the HPA axis. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I hadn't even thought about what the puppy is experiencing, as you mentioned, detaching from the uterus and going through the birth canal. Like that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay. And you didn't just look at the puppies at birth. You actually went back and checked on them again at 30 and 60 days after birth and found some differences still. So can you tell us a little bit about what you found when you retested these puppies? Yeah. We checked the puppies also at 30 and 60 days of age. We were interested in understanding the pattern of the hormones also because when you find some levels of hormones, you don't know if the trend, you find the hormones here, but you don't know yesterday how they were Mm -hmm. and also the trend, the future trend, so what they will go through. And at 13, 60 days, we found that they are actually decreasing but then we still see that at 30 days of age there is still a medium amount we can say in respect to the 60 days of age and those results seem to suggest that there is still an activation and always just thinking about what the newborn is going through in the first month of age so you can understand why those hormones are not that low because okay they are born they just have to be there is lactation but then lactation hands and they go through the weaning phase. Sure. It's very stressful for them. Yeah. Also, they open eyes and the ear canals. So they go through a process of maturation also of the organs that is uh, really enhanced in the first month. Not that at the end of the month they are just adults because it's not, but it's very important in the first month. So maybe this type of stress is correlated to the highly activated HPA axis still in the first month. And then also in the second month of age, uh, maybe they are sold to the new owners, but it's like something that in Italy occurs after 60 days of age. So you cannot sell puppies before. So in the second month, they 
barely have to deal with New Year kids or plays with play with other people. <laughs> so not that uh, important. Maybe we don't know, but maybe the HPE axis is not that activated, and still also the HPG axis that is the one of the sexual steroid hormones because we see also a trend of decrease. Okay, great. Hey, everybody, we are here at the Good Dog Pod with Dr. Jasmine Fuzzi. Stick around, we'll be right back. Good Dog hosts monthly webinars with canine health experts, including Dr. Robert Hutchison, Dr. Marty Greer, and many more. Access all of these past webinars and stay up to date on upcoming webinars by following the link in the show notes. We are back at the Good Dog Pod. We have a very special guest all the way here from Milan, Italy, is Dr. Jasmine Fuzzi, talking about neonatal puppies, birth, stress hormones, hormones in general, and really excited to have you here today. Really fascinating research. Now, can you talk about why you chose to sample nails over like taking a blood sample or a fecal sample? I know those are often used to measure some hormones. So yeah, what made you decide that nail samples were the, were the way to go? First of all, thank you for this question because it's very intriguing because first of all, I have chosen these metrics because it's not a punctual metrics, but it's a metrics of accumulation. And this is important to explain because I think that from this explanation, also the results are better understandable. Because in nails, also in hair, okay, because we can sample coat or also nails. Okay. In newborns, it's not possible to sample the coat because you need a large amount. So maybe you can do it on dead newborns, but just to, for a research purpose, but uh, you cannot do on live puppies. Also, the skin of the newborns is very fragile. So it's, we can say that it's not okay for life, okay, okay. for their health. But instead, nails can be trimmed. Also, in, in Italy, I have some breeders that just routinely clip nails because uh, otherwise they can scratch the mammary glands of the mummies. So, yeah, because when they're nursing. Yeah. Yes. So they do this routinely also to um, make the puppy just uh, get used to the human manipulation to be more comfortable. So uh, I've chosen uh, nails and they accumulate hormones in a period of time. So when you sample nails, you can choose some um, specific time windows. Okay. For example, at birth, you have the previous more or less 30 days of time because they just appears around the half of pregnancy. Then when you sample them at 30 days of age, you see the hormones accumulated in the first 30 days of life. Mm-hmm. And then 60 the previous month. So this is a matrix of accumulation and this allows us to do one sample per month. Mm-hmm. And so this is very important for the well-being of the puppies. Other than these, the other classical metrics, like for example, blood sample is an instant metrics. So you see the level of hormones that you have in the peripheral blood just in that time. So maybe okay. the first example for cortisol, it is very important because maybe in the morning you can see uh, higher concentrations that in the, than doing the sample in the evening, for example. And you have to repeat it. But in uh, newborns of puppies and of kittens, you cannot perform both samples. So the problem is solved at the beginning because they are too little. So it's not okay for life because you need to sample at least maybe one milliliter of blood, but it's maybe their total circulation. So it's (laughs) not that good for the well-being. And also 
for feces, it's like interfering with their routine with their mummies because right. yes, the stools of the puppies are generally leaked by their mothers, especially in the first days. So you do not see feces normally in the whelping box if the mothers has the correct behavior. So you can stimulate the puppies, but the feces are not always collectible because they have to do feces if they have done before they do not produce them anymore. Yeah. So it's a little bit stressful. Also, feces is not that instant matrix because what we know from literature is that the accumulation is of the previous 24, sometimes reported as 48 hours. So it's like, yes, it's accumulation, but you cannot collect them in a very serial way because of the reasons that I explained before. So it's a little bit complicated. We have started with nails. We do not interfere at all with the well-being of the puppies and of the mothers. And also, I would like to say that sometimes in newborns, just the fact of making a blood sample can be a stressor per se. Sure. So you can find high level of cortisol just because you approach them. You're body. handling them or poking them with a needle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And just to be clear, so what you described, kind of with blood cortisol, you're getting an instantaneous snapshot of the animal's stress level in that moment, but the nails actually show the kind of stress the animal experienced over the past month. Yes, exactly. Okay, great. I would love to hear a little bit about the APGAR score. That's something that I think our breeder community would find interesting. What is it? How do you use it? Is this something people can use at home when they're whelping to assess newborn puppies? So yeah, let's start with what is the APGAR score? Okay, so APGAR score is a score that was introduced and in, firstly in human medicine. It was introduced by Virginia APGAR, so it's an acronym actually. Okay. It goes from for appearance, pulse, grimace, activity, and respiration. And it was introduced in veterinary medicine only in 2009 by Professor Veronese. And it was very recently introduced also in kittens, very, very recently, yes. And it's a score that allows you to evaluate the viability at birth. So each one of these parameters has a score, and it goes from zero, so the bad one, the baddest one, to okay. two, so that is a good situation. And in the end, you can just make an addition and then you have the final score. Okay. okay. And it can go obviously from zero to 10. Okay. Yeah. And just you have three categories. Zero to three is the categories of the severe distressed puppies, newborns. Then the moderate distressed that are from four to six. And then the last category that is the no distressed newborns, so the idle one. And it is very interesting the fact that it is very easy to use. Okay, also from breeders, I also think that we can say that it's mostly invented for breeders because it can be tested with very few instruments. A stethoscope is the most complicated one because of them can also, yes, for the pulse, for the frequency, but the heart, uh, heart rate, but not very complicated. You don't need anything than your hands and your eyes. Nice. And in my experience, maybe so it's like you have to teach to the breeders. So with courses or videos, but it's something that can be quickly learned. And it is very important to perform this type of score when you have to identify the distressed newborns. Okay. It's a category from zero to three. Okay. It's severely distressed. So an expert reader can just see this 
without the score, obviously. Right. But the middle category, that is the one from four to six, is a very, yes, this is the intriguing one, no? Yeah. Uh, because uh, maybe you say, no, they are okay, they don't need further assistance, whilst they are severely, they are moderately distressed. And so maybe you just put them with the others, don't care for these puppies. And then the day after, you found them with some problems. Yeah, okay. sorry about yeah. that. So this score allows to categorize those puppies that are in the middle and that with a little help can go in the category. So they go straight. They go without further problems. Okay. And you mentioned, like, is this something a breeder could talk to their reproductive veterinarian about and get training? And you said maybe there's some resources online, but it sounds like, like you said, the middle of the road puppies are the ones that need the most careful watching because they could go in either direction. You might not see it right at birth. Okay. And you did some research using the APGAR scores and birth weight to predict the survival of Chihuahua puppies. Can you describe that study and a little bit about what you found? Yes, this study was done because we always start with a clinical issue or question. So from our clinical experience, Chihuahua puppies were particularly fragile at birth. And so when we checked it along the neonatal period, so we wanted to assess if they need maybe a dedicated APGAR score, as it was done from Batista, for example, for French and English Bulldogs. So we wanted to check if also this breed requires particular attention. And also another thing that we know from literature, but also from clinical experience, is that when puppies are too little in comparison of their siblings, maybe mm. they have more risk to die. Yeah. We call those the runt. <laughs> yeah, the runt. Also in Italy, we have the translation, but it's the runt is the meaning. And the fact is that Chihuahua puppies are very little. And you see that maybe they have this very little weight at birth. So we found out that they don't need them in the end, particularly dedicated up girl score, but the cutoff for this survival is four. Oh, okay. And for other reads, it was reported as six. Okay. It has to be said that six was a score that was evaluated at six hours after birth. Mm. So whilst we check it immediately after birth. So future studies are needed. And about weight, we found out a cutoff of 80 grams. And so very, very little, just yes. as a stop for survival. In the end, we wanted to check if it is better to focus on weight or on APGAR score. Mm, and okay. yes, APGAR score was more sensitive than weight in describing the prognostic factor of a puppy. So oh, interesting. Yes, so APGAR score is once again very important also in Chihuahua puppies. Okay, that's great to know. You're a veterinarian who works in clinical reproduction. So you're seeing pregnant dogs, they're people. What are some of the most important things that breeders can do to increase the chance that their puppies survive and thrive? I think that, as I mentioned before, a very important thing is we can say the preparation of the breeders in terms of competencies and the culture about their breed, the breed that they are working on, and also a little bit about medicine. Yes, just basis of medicine. And I have seen that in last years, there are a lot of opportunities for breeders. And I'm very happy for that because I think that working with breeders that have a preparation is the best. Yeah. <laughs> it is a really, really important because the communication is direct and also they can understand when the intervention of the veterinary is, of the veterinarian is necessary. So in last year's, uh, as I was saying, courses, but also books, 
Mm-hmm. And in Italy, for example, there are university courses for breeders. So oh, nice. Yes, it's very, very important. I think also they should understand not only the neonatal medicine, but because the newborn is the result of work that starts with the breeders. Yes. So testing, genetic testing on breeders, both male and females, also hygienic conditions. Mm. Also understand that prophylaxis in terms of vaccines and also endo and ectoparasites are of utmost importance or mandatory, we can say. So it's very important. Also, the continuous research of new protocols for breeders and also the monitor when we arrive, <laughs> the parturition, the continuous monitoring of the puppies, of the newborns, because also the normal newborns requires continuous monitoring. So weighting them at least two times a day and check if there are some scars or problems, if the mom is okay, if the other is okay. It's a constant work. And in the end, I can say also that as we enjoy to work with breeders, breeders should choose veterinarian expert in reproductions because I often see that some breeders also just work with general veterinarian, yep. general practitioners. Yeah. Yes, and I think that there's nothing bad with it, but why do not choose the best? So why do not choose someone that do this all the days and in their routine and the preparation is more focused on reproduction and neonatology. So this is my suggestion. I think you could not have said any of that better. Really echoes a lot of Good Dog's mission in educating breeders and helping build the breeder-veterinarian relationship. So that was perfect. You're amazing. So we've heard a lot about your research. I like to always end our interviews on kind of a fun question, which is just, if you could be any breed of dog, which would you choose? Yeah, I had a golden retriever for 13 years. And I just love this breed because they are happy. They enjoy life all the way around. Yeah, so I would like to be a golden retriever. Actually, now I have a mixed breed dog and a beagle. So I hope to get offended by this. (laughs) Yeah, golden is my favorite breed at all. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, Dr. Fuzzi, thank you so much for being here today and talking about your research and giving our breeders great advice about improving their programs. Is there anywhere people can find you online or learn more about your research? Yes, you can find me on the UNIMI website. That is the website of the University of Milan. It's www.ospedaleveterinario.it. We will be adding that link to our show notes so people can find it. So don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you didn't catch that, don't panic. We'll put Dr. Fusi's site online. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Take care. And we look forward to seeing what you do next with your research. Thank you very much for having me here today because I have enjoyed it. Thank you very much. You're amazing. Take care.